0: Hey, how you guys doing? Welcome to the Marvel Hacks Season 7 episode, or issue number 3, depending on how you look at it. I am the producer of the Marvel Hacks at Brothers Comics. On the line tonight, I have my two favorite Marvel Hacks. Um, we're recording on a Friday night, and uh, if you didn't know, we're nerds and we have no lives. On the line tonight, this is Sandman. Sandman, say what's up.
1: Uh, X marks the spot, and I, I got a million corny ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Nah, they're good sir very good yes he'll be here all tip your waiters and your waitresses he'll be here all. podcast also on the line tonight it's uh, brother beavis brother beavis say what's happening
2: hey it's brother beavis and of course i'm free for a podcast on friday night
0: what else am i yeah, doing? exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly what yeah really after a long work week the last thing i want to do is go socialize with other people so we'll socializing <laughs> with y'all over yeah. the phone oh is more God. than enough like yeah, if y'all were like, so, oh, let's do this podcast live together, I'd be like, oh, man, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> so how was your week? pants you on. do anything fun this weekend? Oh, you just shut up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't even bother with that. <laughs> Those days are long past us. Uh, so, yeah, so um, we are continuing, and it's, essentially season seven is kind of, probably wind up being just this Jonathan Hickman X-Men relaunch, or X-Men relaunch, um, it's, it's been impressive, the first few issues in. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be fairly impressive as we go through these two issues tonight. We recorded separately for the first two issues, but this one's going to wind up being a double size for House of X2 and Powers of X2. Um, we're just, uh, you know, life getting in the way, whatever, not having a chance to do it. So we're going to talk about a few things tonight. One of the things that we're going to talk about um, is the three more uh, Moria McTaggart is going to be play a very important role in these two issues tonight, uh, I was gonna ask you guys, do you have a favorite Moira McTaggart of the three versions that we have seen? We saw the X-Men in the Animated Series with the worst possible accent ever. Mm. Uh, we have comic book Moira, who now, when I read the books, I read it in the X Men comic, X Men, the animated <laughs> series voice every time I see it. And then we have the movie version of Moria McTaggart uh, in the, I guess, the second, third of those movies uh, uh, in the X Men movie. So yeah, Brother Beavis has got a favorite Moria McTaggart. Yeah, yes, I would guy. probably
2: give it to comic book Moria uh, in specific. Uh, there's a period, like, right before the. Um, Right before the when Xavier gets taken over by the Shadow King or the Shadow King comes back Mm -hmm. where there's like all the X-Men are gone and there's this ragtag fugitive fleet of X-Men on Muir Island of which Moira is one of them and she's wearing like the X-uniform shooting off guns and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So that's just one scene but I'd have to give it to comic book Moira. Right
0: uh, Sandman, uh, either of those three versions of Moira McTaggart. It's going to be a uh, comic book
1: Moira for me too. The um, the uh, um, animated version of Moira. I mean, I'll give them credit for trying, even over that hideous accent that the whoever that voice actress is. <laughs> I I was endeared when I was younger, and it just was pretty bad, almost comical <laughs> at times. But they get credit for trying. I. I have like next to no love at all for the the um uh, movie version and uh i mean i won't say n- not at all but uh yeah the the moira and, and uh, the movies is not my favorite is i don't know
2: yeah that, that's just personal i think choice. movie moira suffers the same fate as a lot of characters particularly in the later movies is that she gets shoehorned into a story and her character has to change to fit the narrative and yeah. so then you're yeah, like especially well, like what in is this yeah, she was like a secret oh, agent or yeah. oh. something
1: in Apocalypse when it was. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> it's just so bad. And so yeah, that that probably oh, formed God. a lot of uh, the, the lion's share of my opinion. Just that stupid movie. Yeah, so. Wow. Uh, I hate to
0: I hate to be the contrarian, but uh, it'll be fairly <laughs> consistent. it'll be fairly consistent in uh, if what you know about me. I like Moyer McTaggart movie version, only because I like Rose Byrne, only because she's uh, skinny, built like a dude. So, you know, it it fills the void, or it fills the, yeah, this is just me, so sorry. I like Rose Byrne. Uh, I, like, legit did not know she was British or Irish or whatever for many years. I had no idea. I thought she was American. I had no idea until I saw something that she was in. Yeah, all British thing. people I think have you're the power to become they,
2: Americans.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah they all do. That they do. They're like
2: the scroll. Yeah. We're screwed if they try and invade. Yeah. Well, we'll never know. They'll be Americans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: never know which one is which. Yes, so, is so you're saying all the right.
2: producer does not like them, real thick and juicy, is what I'm hearing. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. well, no, no, we didn't say that. <laughs> oh, in addition what to what real thick and juicy, you like them, you know. You like the wing and yes, the bone. That's exactly. basically what I'm hearing.
0: Uh, I think Big Daddy Kane's line was like, I like them 8 to 80, blind, crippled, and crazy. So this <laughs> take all, of it. <laughs> yeah. all right. So, anywho. Uh, but I told, I said this to you before we were going to record the first time. Doing this Three Moyers thing made me think of a Dave... Ch- we're going to get the X-Men, y'all. Oh. It made me think of a Dave Chappelle skit, uh, which was the Three days. <laughs> and if you haven't seen Chappelle's show, I have yeah, no idea do, do, do. where you are in life. Um, and two, uh, it's one of the best... One of the best Dave Chappelle skits, for sure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, if you haven't seen it, Dave Chappelle recaps his life from, I think it's 18, 24, and 30. And uh, it has some classic Chappelle show lines, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, uh, Brother Beavis, you are a connoisseur of that show, as I am. Is there a favorite line in that skit? It, it's, it's five minutes of brilliance, by the way. Uh, he's, in like, that skit? he's like, girl, I lickety like you. <laughs> <laughs> <For a minute. laughs> the Dos Effects <FX> line. Yeah. <laughs> I realize I look at Yes. Man, is there any line in there uh, that you know that you can um, remember? There's from a the couple. I mean, there's a couple.
1: I mean, they, they, he's decked out in the '90s gear and the cross colors, and talking about uh, <laughs> just come yes. on the, the Dos Effect. Uh, concert, I yeah, fell out to yeah. And uh, the other one when he's telling mm. off his son for you know, uh, I, I forget exactly what uh, you are talking about, but that man, I fell out. He's talking about like um, he just oh, he about Nick
0: Cannon. He said he's
1: hilarious. <laughs> he's hilarious. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah fuck your <laughs> 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 I can't believe I, for, I forgot that. Oh man, oh it, uh, it is worry, for bad, know, my new Dave daddy is amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing, man. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. There's an underrated line in there too about like when he didn't get the rush hour role, and he was like, "Who got the role? Oh, uh,
3: Chris Tucker. Oh,
0: who got the other
1: one? chan. They don't even speak English."
0: <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh shit. That's oh, the classic <laughs> skit. That's the classic skit. Oh, my God. Alright, so three Dave's, three Moriers. We are going to get to these X-Men books right now. So... Issue 2 by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz of House of X. Uh, uh, our introductory quote is from Apocalypse, and the, t- the quote is, if you can find it uh, in you to survive, if you are worthy, then I will make you into something more than them. This book is all about Moira, and we got in the first issue of Power of X, we got this introduction to Moira coming to introduce herself to Charles, and we didn't really understand what this was about, because Powers of X was a kind of a trippy book, because we really didn't know what was going on, and why was Moira going to meet uh, Charles in the past, or whatever, or in the present, we didn't really know what it was. This book explains all of that, and then some. Um, so. It's, and it's uh, we're rebooting Moira McTaggart. So spoiler alert: uh, she's a mutant, and uh, it's established early on here that she is a mutant in telling this story. And we're going to actually go through different versions of her life and different choices that she makes. And because of her mutant power of reincarnation, she remembers everything from each previous life. And we're going to go through. I think it's nine different lives, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think.
3: Yeah, they Might even more than out, that. I believe. And yeah. we're going to.
0: Yeah. yeah, and we're going to talk about kind of each one of these reincarnations, um, and most of them end in tragic circumstances. Oh, so right. life number one <laughs> is very, very normy to say the least. Uh, you know, she almost died at 13 when her mutant powers manifested, uh, had a big fever. The doctor thought she was going to die, but the next day she's fine. Um, no extraordinary life at all. You know, just lived, died, 74 years old, husband, grandkids, mm-hmm. great-grandkids, nothing at all. But then life two in the womb, again, she's a fully sentient being, you know, with the perfect recollection of everything from her previous life. So kind of before we jump into life number two, Brother Beavis, what do you think of changing Moria to a mutant and her reincarnation of mutant power?
2: Well, I think it's it's uh, not anything I would have predicted. I think her not being a mutant is sort of one of her most famous attributes and it's and mm-hmm. part of the storyline yeah. when... Mm-hmm you know she has her a mutant son proteus um, so and it, but it, but at the same time it sort of explains why retroactively explains why she's been such a big part of the universe as far as her powers mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's a great power i kind of would mm-hmm. like to have it yeah 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> what says you saying man about making more uh, mutant
1: yeah this is um this is new i was kind of um at first, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, "Yeah, why are they doing that?" They're now they're changing, you know, longtime characters who were human. I mean, she was practically an X-Man herself, but she wasn't a mutant. That was the only thing she didn't have the power. But it was kind of nice sometimes having that human um, uh, vantage, her vantage uh, of the situation, because you know she often got dragged along with what was going on with mutants. Because I think her son was a mutant. Uh, one of them, Proteus, obviously. And, that's a whole storyline. And, and so at first I didn't, I wasn't down with it, but man, that disappeared uh, reading the story. I was like, okay, I'm on board. It went yeah. away rather quickly. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: As it, as it does go on. So life number two, she starts out because she's a special child. Everybody sees everything that's special about her. She leads to a life of academia. She winds up going to Oxford where she has this Cross, like, like oh, like, I've seen this dude, like, which winds up being Charles, out of wheelchair Charles, but they don't really have any interaction. But she comes to realize that, you know, if she remains passive in this particular life, nothing will change. It'll, you know, it'll start, it'll end, and that'll be it. But if she actively engages, she can actually change things in the future. Um, so, yeah. uh, life 2 doesn't, you know, no kids, no family, no children, you know, she starts to seek out other mutants like her. Enters Charles, like I said, who was at Oxford at the time, I and mean, he announces to the world that he is a mutant in life number two, and she's like, oh shit, there is somebody like me, I'm about to go get him, you know, and find out what's going on, and she gets on the plane, and the plane crashes, I was like, <laughs>
3: damn, <Same>. yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I'm flipping through this book, and I was like, oh, well, let's see what's going on, oh, oh, damn, damn, <laughs> that didn't work out. So, uh, yeah, so the end of, end of life too, Brother Beavis,
2: what would you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess put another quarter in the machine. Sometimes you, you know, you <laughs> click left when you were supposed to click right. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing too is like, you know, the movie version of Professor X, the, the younger one, and we get him much more as the sort of arrogant douchebag which I don't think (laughs) like up to that point in the books, he had his other failings, but we didn't necessarily see him as that. So they kind of present a story here that's more consistent with how his earlier exploits have been portrayed in the films.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you speak of his arrogance because when we do get to life number three, you know Moira goes through whatever portion of her life, and then when she's now when she gets a chance to meet Charles at Oxford, she seeks him out, but she's turned off by how arrogant he is. And again, that is something that we really haven't seen in the movies or anything like that. They hinted at it though in Dark Phoenix like a lot because yeah. that was the reason that like, uh, uh, like yeah, it a it's a big plot point. Yeah. Well, he yeah, but he was is.
2: using his telepathy to get tail in the first in the yeah, first this glass this is I mean, true yeah he yes, was yeah. yeah that is true
0: yeah i mean but you know what though that actually also points out to how incomplete a lot of those movies are when you mm-hmm. see you know, mm-hmm. it you know you know this is like probably going to give us out a more fleshed out version of charles xavier in freaking 12 issues than we got in however many movies that the, you know that he appeared in um yeah. so yeah so she gets turned off by that and so she like like turns on to see that mutants as a disease, and she goes out to cure it, and she did, uh, but she mm-hmm. never got a chance to actually use it because um, Marcy and uh, Peppermint Patty, I mean Mystique <laughs> and <laughs> Destiny, <laughs> nice, nice, cover her oh. plan. Yeah, they discover her plan. And, How long uh, you had that uh, one? Like, How uh, long you had that one in the notebook? Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it in the whole st- but uh, also again it's, uh, behind the scene, y'all. I write these jokes. Uh, is not off the top of my head, but anyway, he's um, he
2: is Kevin Smith. Uh, it's all scripted. Yes, thank you. Oh. Exactly, it's all dialogue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what you see on the screen. <laughs> so, um, they say, so they see they um, see they see like Destiny calls her out. He's like, "Hey, you're portraying like your people, and you know this is not cool." not cool at all and if you continue to do this on your different lives we're gonna find you we're gonna check you and we're gonna kill your ass again and they do they freaking go uh uh freaking they get pyro to go freaking khaleesi mother of dragons on her and yeah burn her slow so she remembers it and (laughs) burn her up straight down, I yeah,
1: was like, "Oh my yay! god, man, The most fucking metal thing I've seen that in a long time." That
0: was crazy. Yes, it was. That was crazy. crazy, like, man. What did you What did you think of that one, uh, saying, uh, Brother B? Excuse me.
2: Well, I think the we've seen like whether it's Freedom Force or the New Brotherhood or whatever. Like in their heyday, was a different era of comics. So they were always sort of posed as these terrorists, but they were always kind of soft. And this is kind of the mm-hmm. the hard edge that we always thought was implied but it's kind of displayed most uh, most vigorously more vigorously than we've ever seen and Destiny in particular is like a character who you know is significant and you know she had the Destiny Diaries that was a big storyline for a while but she was kind of a side figure and she got killed kind of off screen and, and whatnot but now you see like mm-hmm. all of a sudden in this way she's kind of a major player uh, and mm-hmm. yeah it was she definitely raised. unexpected and uh, it was, and it's, it's such an intense, like two or three pages, and like you said, the end yeah. is like, oh yeah, this is going to be real, and you're going to remember, and now mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's intense.
0: Yeah, and I like how they, and whether it's for new timeline or whatever, that they don't play Destiny out as like this old lady. Maybe she mm-hmm. is under the mask, but they're not yeah. playing it out that way. And I think that, that it gives the character a little bit more weight. And um, mm-hmm. because you know in earlier versions she's portrayed as this frail version of lady, she has this powers, but you know like she, you know you could push her over with a wind, you know, a gust of wind. You know, I didn't get that sense from this at all. Like she, she could go toe to toe with
2: Nightcrawler point. with her feeble strength, though. I mean that. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got yeah. that Aunt May <laughs> physique
1: going. Yeah.
0: But, um, yeah. Well, actually, they made her like into freaking the Peter Parker Aunt May now. You oh, know, yeah. They kind of made her into, you know, a more rounded out youngest character or whatever, she and I think like that's better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's good at that, and that. Man, I, I, I read that and I was just like, dang, <laughs> you know, it's like, dang, that is freaking crazy that they did that to her. And I was all here for it. And again, like we're halfway through, you know, house two. And like I said, we, you know, we've been really, you know, before we take record, we're like, man, this book is pretty, Im- or these books have been pretty impressive. Mm. And I I think, I think, Brother Reeves, you were saying, like, kind of before we recorded, like, you know, they've they just kind of taken a step in a, a completely, a direction that we couldn't even thought of.
2: Yeah, and I think this scene is like a lot of times you read this and you'd be like, well, why wouldn't she adjust? Well, here's why she wouldn't adjust. Because she was told you're going to be burned alive if you screw around with this storyline again. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, they may pull the rug out from under us at the end. They may revert back to the norm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as right. if you could go listen to the previous six seasons and hear us bitch about relaunches and reboots, this is not what yeah. I'm bitching about.
0: <laughs> this is not well, ex- exact. This is not a modern comic book for sure. Alright, so we get the life four and Moria remembers she had remembers everything, so now she's going to try to understand the mutant and human dilemma. And she seeks out Charles and, you know, gets over his arrogance and she gets that D. What's up, Charles? Alright. So um <laughs> she- <laughs> She's around for the formative of the, or the of the X Men of the classic team of the giant size team the Krakoa team. Uh, she's there for Days of Future Past. You know that is her life, and it ends in that in that sense. It at least alludes to the fact that she dies somewhere in Days of Future Past, and that is life number four. Uh, fifth life five she Wait, runs away. So there's in stu-
2: this panel where they walk through her role. What was interesting to me is they show the um, the the A versus X team all f- infused with the Phoenix Phoenix Force and the label is yeah. Through oh, the yeah. Lost Decade which I don't know if they're trying to say like that, I don't know if they're sort of acknowledging the fact that it's been garbage ever since yeah. the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the giant sized team
0: oh my yeah. goodness mm. Mm. yeah mm. wow yeah Wow, yeah, maybe. that That's a good sign. Uh Life 5, she runs away from home, finds Charles 10 years earlier at age 13. He did not give her the D here, just to let y'all know, this is not that kind of like, show and podcast <laughs> or comic book. Thank goodness. And he sees all of her previous lives and becomes a radical himself, you know, and so now... Uh, yeah, Sentinels come and destroy them anyway. Like you know, it, it's like that line with Apocalypse at the end of um, Endgame. You know, he's inevitable. You yeah. know, like the machines are inevitable, Thanos. and this is kind of yeah. as we get into yeah. It's how, that, what did I say? Apocalypse. You said and Apocalypse. Yeah, no, like and once we get into yeah, once we get into powers too, you know, you you kind of start to get that sense without spoiling or whatever. But like they're getting this sense, Sandman, that you know that. Whatever's going to happen with the machines is inevitable. No matter what Moria does, no matter what Charles does, this battle with the machines is going to happen anyway.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned Endgame a little bit with Thanos, and it has that same feeling of uh, inevitability even you know, Thanos himself says that I, I am inevitable so like every mm-hmm. life that she seems to have ends in this tragedy one way or the other they get maybe they get a little further in some in one timeline uh, than in another one but they it's all seem to end with the same tragic um, um, finality with the sentinels so it uh, Mankind ends up hunting them, and they create the Sentinels, and that's the end of mutankind and definitely the end of her, anyway. And so, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I was floored by that the uh, um, the strife that she's going through, trying with every life she keeps mm-hmm. trying another another tactic, and they just seem to yeah. one by one, one is tragic, tragic if not worse than the last. So, uh, amazing, yeah. amazing. I'm loving it so
0: mm-hmm. far. Uh, and again, we do got a shout out I think it's Pepe LaRaz. The art in this book is I amazing. Love it. Yeah. Amazing. The, and the cover with all of her different lives, if you got that cover with all the different lives and Charles and and Edo on it, my Beautifully goodness done. gracious. This yeah. dude is freaking killing it for Never sure. Never heard of him
1: before. Um, do not his name now. Yeah.
0: Me neither. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you know, and modern comics or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. man, we're four issues into this thing. Essentially, you know, like uh, when when is the freaking guest artist going to come, Brother yeah. Beavis? And just you know, <laughs> throw the water and the brakes yeah. on everything because you yeah, know it's, it's just like waiting for the letdown. He's he's you got
2: know. a he's got a clean style that's still stylish, and at the same time, when he's drawing characters that you know you recognize them, you know. So it's that
3: yeah. right. it's
2: that kind of adherence to the almost George Perezian implementation of, of Marvel Universe, mm. Um, mm, but yeah. with his own style, it's it's great.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's high praise. High praise. So skip to life number seven. And so they figure out it's really the plot from freaking Days of Future Past, the movie. We got to kill the trash bloodline. You know, yeah. that didn't help. Mm. Uh, they're getting artificial intelligence formed anyway. The Sentinels, you know, they got it. They're inevitable, you know, and leaves more are even more radicalized in this time once they, you know, the Sentinels come and destroy everything, which leads to life number eight, which I think is one of the best ones. Um my note says fuck you Charles I'm rolling with Magneto (laughs) (laughs) so he hears about all the previous lives and he gets enraged and of course he does Mm -hmm. and uh yeah and so he goes off on his own and then he winds up and you know it's kind of it would be like this too like, oh, you know what, all this stuff is happening, this is inevitable, and then all the heroes rise up against Magneto, including the X-Men, and defeat him, and, you know, and that's yeah. pretty much the end of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's so annoying. To, like I said, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. and You've heard us say this: the idea that the mutants are still hated and regular ass heroes are flying around all over the world and nobody says anything is just the it's a trope at this point. And I, you know, I hope at some point, although it doesn't look like from reading any of this that it's going to go anywhere anytime soon, that they you know move past it because it just or modernize it in some way. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. Anyway. Life number nine, uh, because she got more radicalized after hanging with Magneto. I wonder if she got the D from Magneto, by the way. She winds up joining. Well,
2: uh, no if, no you, Magneto if you, if you yeah. go back to our Secret Wars podcast, we can almost guarantee. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah Magneto. Noted horn dog Magneto. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Knife life. Uh, So she gets more radicalized and joins up with Apocalypse, uh, and then you know takes on the survival of the the fittest mantra. Uh, Apocalypse, yeah, and then her it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. Apocalypse (laughs) definitely did it. So, um, anyway, (laughs) tenth life is the life that we. Tenth life is the life that we caught up with in Powers of X number one, which is where she meets Charles on that park bench. And he's like, Hey, read my mind, and that's why he dropped that, you know, Keanu Matrix whoa, mm-hmm. And you know, and that's how we end this issue, you know. And then that quote at the end of the book, I I, <laughs> I put it as Moira X, you know, cause she's gone full Malcolm on him. Yeah, so I am here and I am I have always been here. Um so just kinda to recap, uh House of X two, uh Brother Beatles.
2: Unfortunately, I read a spoiler for this cuz I I think it was like we were getting ready for a Wednesday and I hadn't been home to read it and I wish I hadn't yeah. because I kind of knew okay. what the story was about. Um you know, it's
0: Go ahead. We're 2 weeks into this book so if anybody hadn't read it yet, I no, 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 I'm not saying No,
2: no I, I read a spoiler on it first and then I I wish I had experienced it because it's it is a twist but at the same time they like they they play the whole thing out, and uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, you you get a feel for the burden that she's had with this gift. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm, it yeah. doesn't break. It doesn't break anything that we've seen before. Um, you know, there is some multiverse stuff that you you should probably shouldn't think about because your head will explode. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it was great.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just. I mean, oh my God! Like, I don't even know how to explain it. For the most part, other than the fact that, like, it's just not. It's so not what we're used to seeing out of the X Men for the last decade. And again, maybe that was a subtle shot or not so subtle shot. Sam, <laughs> man, what would you think of this one? You didn't get a chance to read Power, so yeah, give us but, your thoughts on House yeah, of X too.
1: I'll be reading that right after we get done with this. I mean, we're gonna go through it anyway, but still. This was, um, I was blown away, man. This is, um, I, they started, uh, delivering on what they, um, like you said before, on the first, uh, issue of House of X and stuff. And so now things are starting to fall into place. And, uh, when Moira down now a mutant and going through all these lives and you already mentioned the burden that she's, uh, suffering from, from life to life, the frustration of not being able to change anything, the and... It's amazing storytelling so far. I loved loved it, and uh, mm-hmm. we sit. See, we're seeing like ah, now we can see like how they ended up with that, where they were in that first issue, and my God, where are they going to go now? So, man, very mm-hmm. very good. Where has this been in the last ten years?
0: Nowhere, exactly. exactly. Now I do have my, and that's so why I talked, I, talk, I texted with Hutch about this because he did mm-hmm. read it. He's not on the podcast or whatever. He had a very similar feeling that this was like. This just seems like the Matrix, you know, mm, with like yeah. with Neo living multiple lives or multiple Neos have gone through, you know, trying to find whoever the one is and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And I kind of I mean, we kind of said that, you know, kind of really since the first or second podcast about this. I was like, hey, this is kind of Matrix-esque. And I kind of hope that I'm not right about that, because if it is, that means we're going to get this story that is set really in some other Version of reality right. and then these books are going to come out and reset and it all of this is going to be for naught And well, not for naught, but it's just really just going to be an, uh, an additional story that was told that has no Really significance moving forward and I kind of hope that we don't do that uh, but uh, Yeah, um, I'm 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 highly impressed um, you know, shout it out to, I think it's, ah, I can't remember his name on Twitter or whatever. He's like, you know, I listen to you guys, podcast about it. And he's, you know, he's kind of on the fence about, uh, Jonathan Hickman or whatever. And he was just like, you know, what y'all your podcast did was really just make me want to read the trade. He's like, you know, kind of reading this week to week is just like, kind of, it's just like too much. Mm. and I was like you know what that's a very valid point because yeah. reading this it, it reads like a trade paperback like if I had this all in front of me that's one of those things where I would sit down and take a whole freaking Sunday and read it cover to cover you know uh, but I'm enjoying reading this week to week thank goodness this week to week if this was month to month I don't think I could take it mm. um, there well, would be a lot a good
2: point. the I'll, big test will be but, if they can hold off the guest artists and if they can keep up the schedule Yeah. yeah. hopefully I mean, they already yeah, have yeah, this in the can know.
0: yeah yeah, you would hope that they would, you know, and again, I, like I said, I talked to the dude that was writing X-Men before this came on at, uh, what was that, Megacon or whatever, and he was like, man, he's been writing this book for months already, I mean, he was, he's like, this, this story he's been writing for months, so if they've mm-hmm. been writing it for months, that means hopefully all the dudes that were drawing it have been drawing it for months, and we're just out on this weekly schedule, and it's out, you know, we're already going to be in the issues three for House of X this week, you know, and then the following week for Power, so, I mean, More power to him, but yeah, it's is super impressive. Um, All right. So we get to power of X number two, electric boogaloo, by the way. Uh, And um, Charles is with Moira in life number 10. Um, So this is life 10 picking up from that part where um, she met him on the park bench. And they made this decision to go and see Magneto on his island in the Bermuda Triangle. And this is a great scene, by the way. I don't know how you felt, Brother but this is a great introductory scene for two characters who have a huge history with one another and playing off one another uh, verbally on the things that they've gone through. So before we get into it, I mean, what did you think of this scene between Charles and Magneto?
2: Yeah, I do, li- I, I do like this particular period of Magneto where he had his island and he was sinking subs. And, you know, he was a legitimate threat to the X-Men and uh Mm -hmm. you know so they they approach him at his sort of his center of strength and the 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 agreement they end up with is interesting because he's like yeah we can do this but i'm still gonna like you know contend with you and again they've sort of done this in a way that it doesn't necessarily break everything we've read up to this point you know it doesn't undo (laughs) x-men 170 and beyond because this sort of jumps in there or wherever the the timing is so yeah i mean they don't they don't decide to become friends they just you know they agree to do something different and I thought you know mm-hmm. that 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 was not necessarily the easiest uh decision and also when like you know when he's trying to convince him to take his helmet off you know that you know because that is one sort of trump card against him you know so mm-hmm. yeah it's great
0: interplay yeah the dialogue is great I mean, I'm paraphrasing some of the dialogues to not read it word for word but Magneto's like I know you're not lost so what are you doing here, Charles? You know, and he's like, "I'm here for you, old friend." I mean, that that's a great piece of dialogue right there. to kind of introduce them, and yeah, you know, like these life, you know, these lessons in life have told us that you know this is not going to work between me and you. And you know, he's like, "Look, I've seen the future, nigga. And it ain't gonna work out for either one of us." <laughs> he's, like, he's like, "Trust me, it does not work out." And he's like, you know. He's and you know and he the way he's talking, Magneto's like you know what is wrong with you. This is not how you normally speak to me. This is not, not how no, you normally see things. And yeah, he's like open your mind to us. And he show they show Magneto all of his failures. And you get the multiple costumes that he has on the one with the big ass M on it from Charles Magneto. Yeah. You see all of his yeah. failures in yeah. this. And he's like, yeah. yeah, he's like, man, what did you show me this for? <laughs> like, I didn't need to see all that. And he's like look man you know apart we always lose but together maybe our people can survive and there's a bit of dialogue in there like you know where he's like yeah i'm not looking for survival you know he's looking for domination and you know Moyer's like well we're not looking for survival either you know we're trying to you create something that's completely different you know to thrive and survive and this is the timeline that we get to get to see where we get to, you know, with Charles, with the freaking Cerebro on his head, like, this is that particular timeline, Moria's 10th life is where we are, and I guess we kind of skipped over that part where, um, Destiny told Moria that she really only had, I think, 11 or 12, or 13 lives, maybe 12, depending upon, you know, what happens, you know, so she's in life number 10 right now and so there there are multiple lives here that she still has to play with but yeah it's uh, this is this version and i think the part you were alluding to brother beavis was like you know and magneto's like look if you try to get soft i ain't soft we're going it was either go hard or go home <laughs> and charles was like uh <laughs> my note says no doubt my nigga, uh, that we ain't going soft this time <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we not going soft we're going hard we are not going to back down on this I, I thought that I think I texted y'all from work, and yeah. yeah, I was just like I, I just got a chance to start reading Powers, and I was like, holy crap! Like yeah. that was <laughs> the first like seven pages of that book, and I was like, jeez oh, Louise. This they they go really really hard in the first parts of this book, and so then we, we get to uh, year ten with this version of the X Men. Uh, we get Cyclops and now Charles and no chair. You got a theory about this, brother Beavis? Or year if- ten, no chair.
2: Well, if it picks up from where we left off, then I have to assume this is the Phantom X body, right? That's where he ended up. Is oh, okay. he, he reincarnated mm-hmm. into the Phantom X body, um, and he's just strolling mm-hmm. around.
0: Yeah, hmm. but that would mean that the continuity of those books carried over?
2: I, I just think, can't see it. Well, or, so, or they so, tear his legs somehow. Um, maybe with keep the, in mind that... If you go back into the past to change your future, it becomes your past. Yeah. So, in theory, <laughs> Mora's Mora's latest life is reality. And like I said, they haven't they haven't they haven't shown us anything that's broken all the books up to this point. So I think yeah. we should be led to believe that this is in continuity with the books they just finished up. So
0: Back to the Future was bullshit. Yeah? It is. Uh, all right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah, that move, by the way. So yeah. So um, uh. So yeah. So we got Cerebro, Head, Krakoa version. Uh, talking and this, they've discovered the plan that we saw in House of X number one. This Orca's plan, where AIM and um, Shield, Sword, Alpha Flight, Hydra, Yeah. They made this thing called the Mother Mold, and it's a Master Mold that makes other Mother Molds. This was kind of weird as I just think about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they they've discovered this plan in space that, you know, <laughs> like, okay, well, the humans have decided, like, if this is going to work for us, we're going to have to leave Earth, and then we're going to be able to attack, essentially, like, Earth with all of our different Master Molds or whatever. So construction is complete on the Death Star. Uh, <laughs> and then this was started by... The increased mutant population, you know, uh, huh. this story seems kind of weird, at least to me, brother Beavis. It's just because since there is the inevitability of the machines, it, it, there has to be some precipitating event that causes the humans to be like, you know, fuck Earth. We're gonna try to do this from space and attack it from that version, like what's going on on earth that yeah. they just said forget oh well, well so you know what they sp-
2: no they spelled that out actually in one of the earlier books so we are led okay. to believe that this was a plot that was launched in to um launched uh, some time ago and there were specific triggers that would activate the program and so they give you like the rebirth of the population was one of the triggers The economic influence of all the shadow corporations that Xavier had fronted, he Mm -hmm. started using those resources to do the genetic research. And there was like one more thing, and that triggered the Orcas program to become active.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. So so that's like, we're led
2: to believe that it was actually. That it was, it had happened at some point, and we just didn't know. And then the specific mm-hmm. events of this story with Krakoa and everything else is what's triggered that, and now it's now it's a real thing.
0: Right. So, okay. Th- and thanks for reminding me of that because that was from issue one. And you know, it, it, again, like uh, our listener said, uh, it's really like it's it reading like a freaking uh, trade paperback. Like, oh, you know, go back and look at those types of things, cause you forget something that was read just barely two weeks ago. Um, all right, so they have two plans here for this mother mold thing. Um, plan A is that they can't get, they can't let the mother mold go online, and then Plan B, which is the one that they're most serious about, they have this thought that like this is when Nimrod becomes operational, and you have to think that in one of Moira's lives, at some point in time, Nimrod does become a thing, and she does see it, and that's the reason that they know that they can't let Nimrod become an operational being and that he has to be stopped. I uh, think in the apocalypse so,
2: fight, in in her in her life before this, in the apocalypse fight, the last scene is Apocalypse and her squaring off with Nimrod on the background.
0: Okay, so yeah, so that's, yeah. So mm-hmm. there it is, and I didn't you know catch that, so that's perfect. Um, you get a great line here, because Cyclops is really like the son that both of them, well, I guess Magneto had a son, but he don't claim that nigga. That um, like he's the son that nobody mm-hmm. really had, that you know he's caught really between his two daddies, you know, and like in an attempt to please them both. All right, well, does it need to be done? Like yes, then it'll be done. I mean, I think they've done such a good job, even in Rosenberg's version of X Men that doesn't really count anymore. They've done such a good job of reestablishing Cyclops as leader, not um, not Phoenix Effect, not Racer X, not whatever. Like I, you know, and as a Cyclops fan, brother beers, this has to be at least somewhat uh appealing to you
2: yeah it is because you know he's got moments Mm -hmm. of humor um you know he's he's got this light but at the same time you know he is you know he's 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 trying to you know he he, in a a sense i think he's checking them both he's like he's you know he's listening to the plan and he understands the significance he has a reaction to nimrod and, you know he just wants them to be straight with him does this have to be done then you know then mm-hmm. I'm the man right then yeah. I'm the one to do it so you know mm-hmm. so it's not it's not the mad at the world mm-hmm. Cyclops it's not the I hate yeah. myself Cyclops you know mm-hmm. in a way it's an evolution where he's kind of finally all over the mm-hmm. self-loathing yeah and he is what he is
0: too. all right so then we switch out of there to year 100 now we're on asteroid K And this is the aftermath from Powers 1 as well, where we had had that scene where they had gone to this planet to pick up some sort of device, and it was Cardinal Nightcrawler and Rasputin and uh, some hounds or whatever that wound up getting captured in the battle there, and uh, this is the aftermath of that. They went in there to go steal something. It's called the Index Key, I think is what it was. It looks like a damn uh, flashback. So they went in there to steal this flash drive and they acquired that piece of technology at a cost. You know, they lost Cliobel or whatever to Nimrod and I think they had lost somebody else that was able to mask them from the machines, like a different mutant that was able right. to hide them so they could sneak in there. And they bring this back to their boss and their boss, and you know, in an un, you know, unseen part and then in a full-on seen part is Apocalypse. You know, so Apocalypse is the one that is leading this charge in year 100 to try to help take down Nimrod. And, you know, again, you're at year 100. This has been going on for a while. You know, eventually, since he's a survival of the fittest character, Brother Beavis, that this does make sense. Uh, that he would be the one that would be there, you know, kind of standing at the end, especially after all the sinister protocols when he did to all the other mutants.
2: Yeah, I was a little taken aback because I was like, did I miss something? And so I went back. The only reference to this point is like they say something about we got to give it to yeah. the old man, which makes sense that Apocalypse mm-hmm. would be the old man. Um, you see, I took old man as so, I took it. Yeah. I took old and man he, as
0: Wolverine. He, you know, as he plays out in this scene too. Oh
2: uh, yeah, that would have easily qualified. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I think there's some dialogue in here here where it's like. You know you've you've come to the time where it's he doesn't say this but it's obviously there at the time where it really is survival of mm-hmm. the fittest and he's like yeah i live for this shit is basically his attitude mm-hmm. at this yeah, point yeah he he,
0: sa- he says a line to them like after they are you know get this index key and they give it to him he's like this is so important you know machines are really just kind of synthesized down to like essentially like these little parts or whatever and you know controlling these little parts that we can control the machines you know <laughs> my note says he uh, apocalypse is monologuing, actually. And then, actually, my, my other notes in here, it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm so waiting for you to do your apocalypse, uh, like imitation of cable. <laughs> apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: it definitely yes, occurred sure. to me.
0: Uh, yeah, so he once he gets done with his monologue, and he's like, you know, I would have killed all of you to get this freaking index key, you know, but, it, you know, and so we see the other side of that where we do see Nimrod at his house. Um, and the aftermath of the raid. Now, it wasn't really made clear because Power, I think, Power of X 1 was a very complicated book to kind of get through, and it wasn't really made clear, but, and correct me if you read this wrong or I'm interpreting it wrong, Brother Beavis, That like, there are some humans left in year 100. But they're all under the control yes. of the humans at yes. this point. Or of, of Nimrod or the machines. Yeah. Like they use them essentially like as like kind of slaves yeah, right. or whatever that they're doing like all the menial tasks. Would that be fair?
2: Well, I don't know that's necessarily menial. I think in the strike group from Power of X, there's uh, the the thing with the multiple heads is clearly mm-hmm. the robot. But then there's somebody else who wears a mask, but that's a human, and we see those mm-hmm. humans here. So th- they're, th- uh, they're not exactly mm-hmm. minions, but um, they're sort of they definitely are probably uh, the shock troops that have to take mm-hmm. all the L's uh, for the yeah. for the robot <laughs> masters.
0: Yeah. and and Nimrod admits that he's like hey they actually stole some important shit like that indexing machine is a really big deal but for whatever reason 100 years into the future humans cannot my notes says humans cannot suppress uh, their sarcasm or back talk so one of the humans is <laughs> 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 one of the humans was like you know he's Nimrod is monologuing and, and he's just like yeah well, you know whatever you can just keep talking and he's like huh well he, Nimrod went complete black mama on him He's like, what? What'd you say? Oh, okay. You got something to say? You got Nimrod money? And he like, and vaporizes them both, like to the atom, right down to the bones or whatever. And you know, and, you know, it, yeah, yeah, right down to, what's that, what that Bernie Mac uh, joke? Beat you down to the white meat. Yeah, he beats them down to the white meat. And, um, so, yeah, so Nimrod does that for them. And then back on, uh, uh, Island K or whatever they are, they use the Krakoa technology <laughs> to encrypt the I- or decrypt the index key, and the green dude is Brother viewers Do we still know? It's definitely not. Um, it's definitely well, not. the uh, yeah. uh, God, the dude from Guardians. We thought it was the dude from Guardians. What's his name? Root. Root. It's yeah, definitely Groot. not root. No, yeah. The
2: one thing he says is this body used to belong to somebody who could speak mm-hmm. all languages and so i don't know if this is like cypher in a new or doug ramsey slash cypher slash mm-hmm. doug lock in an organic mm-hmm. form and he has oh, this little wow. kind of crown yeah, on his forehead that doesn't look like anything mm-hmm. i've ever seen so some i would i i took it as some extension of of mm-hmm. doug ramsey and they do yeah, name check or brother beer yeah. which he is odd Sam, because man. you
0: called that last week that you said there might be Zorn, or one of y'all did. I, I
2: recognize that
1: mask, dude. Yeah,
0: which is weird, because, yeah, again, yeah. Yeah, Zorn which, was some version of Magneto, and we already have a Magneto in this version, so... Right. Yeah, it didn't seem to yeah. make any sense. But yeah. do we know that that's Magneto, and I think, Brother Rebus, you brought this up, too, like, because he's in green, maybe it's Polaris, you know, maybe it's not actually Magneto, because it, it appears that Charles, he mm, and... Yeah. It appears Charles is gone, and the chances of Charles is gone, chances are that, uh, Magneto is also gone, but... Um, it's it's a good call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. So they hacker quick and get into that, like a freaking TV show hack that, that Kakoa breaks into this thing. And they see this thing called the Genesis Protocols. And they don't really explain what it is, but Wolverine tells them like, okay, so we're going to go in to do this mission and it's going to be, it's an absolute suicide mission. We can't be hidden from the machines anymore. We go in there, we're going to get seen. There's, this is not a, you know, something that we can win. And Apocalypse is like, you know, we can win, you know, children, you know, I am going to lead you, you know, and that's the, the end of, like, year year 100, you know. Did I miss anything there, Brother Vivas? Mm. Okay.
2: No, I mean, and uh, the best sense I can make of it is, <clears throat> so the machines have been collecting, essentially, data from these mutants and stockpiling it. And there's so much of it, like no one, no one short of an artificial intelligence can make sense of it. So what they've stolen is this something that gives them the ability to find whatever it is they're actually looking for within the combined existence of mutants, which has now been boiled down mm-hmm. into this database. So, I don't, they haven't really, really revealed what this is all about, but it's another sort of infiltration mission into this unassailable fortress yeah. of Nimrod.
0: The Codex. I mean, it's, just, it really, it's kind of broken down like that. It really kind of is the Codex, um, possibly, um, but, yeah. okay. So, year 1000, I, Brother was I said to you before we started recording, Nimbus I can't explain it. This, this, the science in this yeah. whole part, the no. the additional readings, the the cliff notes in the side, I was just like, ah, uh, this is too much for me. I can't do it. So go ahead. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it, and it was dense enough that I'm going to have to go back and, and reread it. But essentially, um, what they're talking about, I think, is that the progression for any intelligent society is to essentially transcend any material form and just exist as information, um, and so we get the appearance of this alien race that refers to itself at the phalanx, and it's not clear if it's the same phalanx we've seen. But there are references about the technarch mm-hmm. and the you know things that that resonate with um, uh, you know the mages and and warlock and all that. So I, I guess it is. But so we're seeing, I guess, the ultimate projection of that race where you know they are essentially uh they wait until sort of societies uh ascend and then they come in and sort of absorb whatever intellect and information they have that's the best i could make out of it on yeah. a single read um i'm gonna have to go back and see if i yeah can it, it was it. a lot
0: to take in and i was just like man uh I, I i couldn't get it and to be honest with you or to be fair like yeah. the parts the year 1000 stuff in the first two issues have been the least interesting parts, and that might just be because we don't recognize yeah. or know any of the people that are in it like nimrod is a little tiny machine there's this mutant that's blue we don't know who the hell she is you know it could be from avatar we don't even freaking know mm-hmm. and it's just like it's too you know it's so you know uh, it's so vague or whatever so i think it becomes the less interesting part Kudos to them, though they've given it like two pages in both issues. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, this stuff is like issue one thousand or what? Or year one thousand? Yeah, this is what this is. We're not really going to spend that much time on it, whether it's not, it's not as important or they know understand and know that we don't really care about it. So uh, yeah, so kudos. So yeah, that is power of X two. So we're four issues into the Hickman relaunch of uh, Brother Beavis give it up. What's your review here?
2: Yeah, I think the the difference between these two and the first two is that, you know, House and Power had such different feeling in the first issues, and now they've sort of woven them in much um, much more effectively. You can see it is one, you know, it is all a larger story. I think it's amazing how, like, dense it is. Like, you know, I uh, you, you like you don't get this on one read, and I've you know I can imagine going having to go back and forth through these books yeah. to make sense of it. Um, it's compelling. Uh, it seems like there's new ideas. It seems like they're not retreading a lot of old ideas along the way. Um, so I'm, I mean, I'm I can't wait for the yeah, rest of them to come out. And you know, but but at the same time, it's like you know, uh, it's so nervous <laughs> yeah. because of how things have gone for the last decade. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, yeah. but I mean I, th- I feel like in a lot of ways this is what we've yeah. been asking for we, we called out the ridiculousness of just the cycle that they always go through and how it just even if you just compare it to the rest of the books coming out at the time it makes no sense and um, you know it seems like and, I, and I'm not saying we got this because we did a podcast about it I'm just saying as a, as a fan of the X-Men who's wanted more for a long time I, we're finally getting it something more and my note great.
0: on here from myself says yeah. my closing note is like cat what you're saying like man you know this is what we've wanted this is like you know completely opposite of everything that we've read for the last however many years you know this is the using a wrestling term this is not hot shotting the title like like oh you know what it'd be cool to see like freaking uh cyclops have the phoenix you know, phoenix force okay that's hot shotting the title it really is because it makes no sense And whatever story that you were going to tell to get to that point is really not going to do that. Or Charles Xavier, you know, Cyclops killing Charles Xavier. That's hot shotting the title. Because in the overall scheme of thing with the character, it doesn't make any sense. So now what you're doing is you're telling a story that goes a long period of time. You know, again, if you're using the wrestling kind of terms or whatever, this is like, you know, this is the, the challenger's journey, essentially, to try to get to the championship you know there's all there's going to be these ups there's going to be these downs there's going to be all these trials and tribulations to try to get to this final point and I, I feel like kind of that's where we are like there's there's a, a huge story here being told and legitimately you don't know if freaking you know we used it before we started recording you don't really know if Ricky Morton's going to win a damn championship you don't think he is but they, <laughs> they put you into the point where you you at least believe that it's a possibility And that's really all that you could ask for in these books. Like, tell me a story that I don't know how this is going to end. Like, where it, like, actually makes sense. And it's a believable story, even though it's a damn town book character. And I I think, again, through four issues. But I'm nervous as hell, too, Brother Beavis. That, like, you're going to get to the end and it's going to be, you know, psych. You know, and they're going to, like, flush everything down the toilet. (laughs) Like, yeah, that was a good story. But, yeah, you know, so sorry you know, and honestly, the the most, the most, I guess, recent version of any X-Men book that I could relate to this would probably be Whedon's, like, Astonishing X-Men, you know, where they made you believe in the characters again, and the story again. Now, it had a couple of psych moments there near the end of that, too, but it that's probably the most, that's probably the closest I can get to where I was, like, you know, excited about an X-Men book coming out every week or every month, and that's
2: I think the distinction there is that they had, you know, you were getting a cyclox that was showing the the cracks. You were getting uh, uh, the white mm-hmm. queen, right? You were getting crazy beast, and so I mean, this is different, but at the same time, it's consistent with what we've seen before. It's not starting completely over. It's just taking a new direction from where we started.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. I don't know. It's, it's it's something, but I am nervous. I, I you know. Maybe And that's like maybe the good nervous and not the bad nervous where I'm like, oh, man, you're going to put the damn title on David Ken, aren't they? Damn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it doesn't feel like that kind of feeling. Yeah. So, all right. But, yeah, y'all, that's our double size for these two issues. um Yeah. same and I said you got to go back and read Powers 2. So, you know, definitely, a, you know, yeah. get you.
1: I'm I'm eagerly wait I'm eagerly um, eagerly uh, waiting to
0: read it because
1: yeah l- like you guys have already said it's very dense I've been kind of skimming through it and trying to uh, see like where the where it's going mm-hmm. and yeah that the whole future thing does kind of worry me a little bit too mm-hmm. I'm just praying I was like okay these this is the time period where we know li- uh, the least about and the characters we know least about and where is this going to go Is this... Uh, I hope they can stick the landing, you know, because they built such a uh, solid foundation mm-hmm. so far, and I'm praying that it's, it ends up meaning something in the end, because yeah. you know, when I, you're dealing with all these you know, <laughs> alien civilizations and stuff, you know, in the far future, and these um, people that we really don't even know—they're they're descendants of um, the future of the, uh, the, the Earth of these timelines, the way it's going. Yeah. So, eh. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm willing to proceed with on faith for now. <laughs> but, yeah, I am... Uh, I'm casting a suspicious eye yeah. on it. <laughs> as, as, yeah, as I
0: mean, a, and, it, just... You, you know, know. And that, it, that jadedness comes from ten-plus years of, meh, comic books, you know, and again, like I said, I've been it's reading coming. New Avengers, like Hickman's run on New Avengers because, again, that was written at a time where, you know, my kids were young, I wasn't reading comic books, so was, you know, my lost decade, kind of, and... Like, the, that's what the book is like. It's real dense, like that. It has all of this weight to it. Definitely nothing like the, you know, the Avengers, the Jason Aaron's Avengers that we were reading a couple of seasons ago. Definitely nothing like that, which is more of a comic book. It's not to say Hickman's book isn't a comic book, but it definitely has, um,. Uh, it's more meat on the bone. I guess that's probably the easiest way to describe it. So, yeah. Uh, well done, sir, Mr. Hickman. I don't know if yeah. you're going to be in any con that I'm going to be at any time soon, but I would definitely love to stick a microphone in your face if you are. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> definitely. All right. So that wraps up <laughs> the Marvel Hacks Season 7, Episode 3. Uh, remember to able to find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Brothers Comics News, um nothing. Dragon Con. Two weeks. Uh probably big hutch. That's all I can say. Uh that's really all that's there. Oh no, and that's that's, that's true. My my uh uh I don't know if you call her a contributor or whatever, but C um, uh she does the um Mr. Robot show for us. Um and, yeah, the Mr. Robot show, she, uh, she was one of the people that co-hosted the Archie podcast when we were doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, she's going to Keystone Comic Con in Philadelphia. Uh, she were, We were able to get media pass access for that. That's the one Tom Holland's going to be at on Sunday. Any guesses for what a picture with Tom Holland is, price-wise, fellas? <laughs> Take a guess. <laughs>
3: 65
1: <laughs>
0: No, definitely not. Tom Holland pictures, uh, man Oh
1: Jesus! Try a hundred times. nope. Two fifty.
0: No. Nope. Two fifty. What?
1: Yeah. Are you winning
0: the- Two fifty. Oh my! Because I was like, you know, she's got kids or whatever. You know, I was like, oh, y'all gonna do the time? You gonna go? She was like, it's two fifty. I'm like, ooh, um. Stan Lee created oh, Stan Lee created Peter Parker and Spider Man. He was only hundred and ten dollars, so I don't know how that happens. So um, <laughs> that's, that's the hardest pass. Oh, like two uh, fifty—that's insane. So, and they were like halfway sold out already. She said She's like when she looked at it already, the whatever spots he had, it was like halfway sold out. So. Shout out to you, Celine, uh, Have fun over there with that one. I definitely understand why you won't meet freaking Tom Holland, though. Uh, yeah, and then Dragon Con, that's it. All right. So, yeah, so as the X-Men, the animated music begins to play us out, remember I'm the producer of this podcast. You can find me on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. No, wait a minute, that's not right. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, at uh, Brothers Comics. Uh, Sandman, you can find him at Sandman415 on Facebook and Twitter. Brother Beers is, is in ether. So... Now, as the X-Men animated music starts to play us out, uh, go ahead and sign off, Sammy. Very well,
1: my fellow mutants. We will see you on the next episode. Yes,
0: reincarnated we will be uh, for episode four, uh, Brother Beavis. (laughs) Remembering all the things that we have to go back and read these books a thousand times to remember all the details. Go ahead and sign off. Right. Well, hopefully this one, we won't die in. A yeah, <laughs> <This one. laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, that's not good either. <laughs> yeah, dang. We'll put that out in the freaking atmosphere, man. can't say that. All right, so again, listen to this podcast and drive safely to wherever you're going, people. We'll see you on the other side. Peace.